0: Are you an overwhelmed SaaS founder ready to make the leap from leading a team to leading an organization? Join us each week as we refill your
1: think tank with actionable tips and strategies from great business minds you know, and those you don't know yet. This is SaaS Fuel with your host, five-time entrepreneur, SaaS founder, and globetrotting adventurer, Jeff Maines.
0: Welcome back to the SaaS Fuel podcast, where January is your 30-day trial of 2023. Yep, we're beta testing product-led growth for years now. So if you don't like it, you can just opt out and try a different year. I don't know, 2013, I don't know, 2009, 1985, about that, it's a good year. Uh, Or hey, 2026, you got a time machine just to advance a little bit and you can try that out as well. Well, I'm your host, Jeff Maines. I help B2B SaaS founders scale and exit, creating profitable growth, maximum valuation, Impact and freedom so that you build a stellar business and live a life that you love. Well, I trust that 2023 is off to a great start. Uh you know, some view the new year as a fresh start, and some it's you know just another day. So I'm curious where you are in that mix. You know, what do you think about that? So drop me a note, let me know. You know, we plan our year starting in October and have an exercise of kind of what we call layout train tracks. And so then the train just keeps rolling right on through New Year's and we just keep the momentum going. So happy to share that. We have a walkthrough through entire training process at an exec level, uh, plus uh, how department heads do it. So happy to share that with you. Drop me a note if that'd be helpful and we'll get it over to you. Well, today, you probably didn't know, is Peculiar People Day. Today is a time to recognize the strange and quirky people in our lives And, uh, you know, maybe gain an appreciation for unique and different people. So are you an odd duck? Yeah, I think many entrepreneurs really fall into that category. Uh, Entrepreneurs are extraordinary. We're certainly unusual, intriguing, different, and sometimes a little bit quirky. These are all things that we think about when you describe the world peculiar. Uh, You probably experience it too, and people don't understand, you know, why you do what you do. You know, why would you create something to build a company versus just go out and get a job? You know, a lot of times they'll say something like, you know, I could never do that. And, and I just think I could not do it. I, I don't know how to do anything but that. So, you know, I salute you, you peculiar SaaS entrepreneurs. The world may not always understand us, but uh, that's okay because we got each other, but this is your day. So, you know, go appreciate those people that are different and unique and, and maybe a little bit quirky. Well, it's great to be around other people with the same kind of mindset and values as us, right? And you can actually do that this week. Uh, We've mentioned on the last few episodes, come to an interactive virtual meetup specifically for SaaS founders and executives. It's called Navigating Success Together, hosted by Champion Leadership Group. Learn four key ways to keep growth going in uncertain economic times, including a master level strategy called the Yes Box. This is really cool stuff. Uh, Most importantly, you can build relationships with fellow SaaS founders, up-level your leadership skills, and mastermind solutions with those that are on the same SaaS building journey as you. So it is completely free for SaaS founders. Get all the details at NavigatingSuccessTogether.com. Or you can go to the SaaSFuel.com page. It's up at the top under Resources, under Events. So go check that out. And I really do hope to see you there. Well, last week we talked with Ray Reich, CEO of RevOps Squared. Ray gave us some super insights into the KPIs and metrics all of us SaaS founders and execs should use to measure and manage. Also gave a great list of SaaS thought leaders to listen to, plus access to the SaaS benchmark report. And the value that they're delivering at RevOps Squared is pretty incredible. Uh, especially that SAS benchmark report. If you don't know what that is, go check it out as it is. It is awesome. In uh, our last SAS fuel expert series, which was new last week, was Thomas Smale, CEO of FE International. Thomas is a serial entrepreneur who has exited and advises founders on exit strategy, growth, and business development. So he gave great insights into the current state of SaaS M&A, which seems to be in, I'd say, major flux right now. So if you missed either one of those episodes, just go back and give it a listen. It is a great way to start the new year. I'm really excited about doing that founders on Tuesday, SaaS experts on Thursdays, and sometimes those experts are also SaaS founders, which is just like double cool. So that's actually what's going to happen later this week is we have one of those. But our current guest right now today, my guest is Edwin Filtvet, founder and CEO of Favorite, which is a SaaS POS system for restaurants, bars, and events. One is creating amazing guest experiences using technology to do the simple low-value task and up-leveling service interactions. Favorite's powered by data intelligence that's changing the view of tech across the industry. Uh, that's kind of historically slow to adopt tech, right? Most restaurants you don't think of as, as high-tech industries. And Favorite is changing that. And as the industry changes and makes that shift, Favorite will continue to rise as a Favorite tech partner, and all of us will benefit, especially never having to wait on a bill again, right? Well, a big welcome to a founder who is behind tech-driven restaurant experiences, Edwin Feltet. Well, hey, Edwin, welcome to SAS Fuel. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I love your business favorite all about experience, and I think all of us have those experiences out in the marketplace, particularly in the restaurant space. How did you come up with that idea?
1: Um, that's a that's a good question. I mean, it was it was a couple of years back, and I was working for Expedia's B two B company called Agencia, and I was traveling a lot in my position, and that made me eat out a lot, right for lunch for dinner. Sometimes you only had maybe half an hour, 45 minutes for lunch. Other times you were out with customers or you were out in a situation where the experience was really, really important. What I felt was the experience was not centered around us as guests, but it was centered around the employees. So if I wanted a menu, I would have to get the attention of a waiter, If I wanted to order more, I would have to get the attention. If I wanted to pay, I would have to get the attention. So there was no way for me to enhance the experience on my own terms or just dive into the experience and help out if that was more convenient to me. There was no flexibility. And that was in a way a bit interesting because as you saw the rest of the world really moving on to be very experienced, obsessed, and customer obsessed, you know, Jim Bezos probably put that on the map better than anyone else. I was really interested to see why haven't anyone built a guest obsessed platform, a guest obsessed experience platform. And I just felt like this is a mission that we need to do. Like we need to make sure that we can create magic experiences for for people dining out. So that was that was it.
0: So, what does a magic experience look
1: like? How does that I work? I think that's very, very individual, and it's very, very um, situation oriented. If you are out with friends and you're in an outdoor service restaurant with a lot of people, I think what you want is a great conversation, be amongst friends and, and really friends and really focus on that. What you don't want is spend five minutes trying to get to do the eye catching game and wave your fingers to hope that you can get another round of beer. You want to be part of the conversation and not trying to chase people to spend money. And I think kind of what's common with the great experience is it's centered around us just enjoying each other's um, party and, and just having a good time rather than spending time going in a bar queue, spending time trying to get a waiter, spending time chasing the bill. That's the, that's the kind of what everything has in common where it differentiates is type of service where in a bar, you have to go to the bar and line up, why can't just the drink, drinks come to you whenever you want. And also in a more full service restaurant, you want the waiters to recommend stuff. But if you just want another beer, maybe they, they're not needed to just take that order. You can just do that yourself. And when you right. want to go, you want to go. You don't want to chase people to get the bill. You just want to pay and go. So I think that platform needs to be flexible to meet the experience and meet the the demand of each guest's terms.
0: I like that. So the solution then is broad enough that it fits you know, all of those scenarios. And so, you know, pretty much anybody in anyone in those types of restaurants could use the system, whether they're, you know, it's a bar, it's a full service restaurant, high end, uh, mid tier.
1: Exactly. Well, at the same time, we are really focused on the full service restaurants. That's where we see that we can make the best difference when you go to the more high end, they really want to be having that personal conversation on every touch point because that's part of their, their footprint in a way of the experience. And then maybe the payment is more something that they could easily check out themselves, the guests and so on. Uh, or if they do, then you can, you can have some more information about the guests that you can use to do loyalties and so on. So it depends kind of on, on the variety, but I would say the full service restaurant is our, that's our target segment.
0: That makes a lot of sense. And I like that their mission is really kind of aligned with what you're trying to bring to the market as well. I mean, that probably makes them a, a great prospect for you. I mean, what's great if
1: if the the uh, our purpose to create magic moments is the same that we, we try to build in a product, then I don't have to be schizophrenic and try and communicate something to the organization and something else to the customers. I mean, it could be very, very aligned, and that makes it much easier for me. Um, but I think it's also really nece- necessary if you want to build something that's really great and that delivers on expectations.
0: Yeah, that, that's true. And having that alignment with them already certainly accelerates the the process. You don't have to convince them that this is valuable because they already want that experience.
1: Yes and no. I mean oh. the restaurant industry, if you look into some of the Western movies that kind of is setting a scene way, way back, the way you were ordering in the bar is just the same way you're ordering in the bar today, in many ways, right?
0: It but is but you don't
1: pay with cash, maybe you pay with credit cards or whatever, but the operational process, it's very, very the same, right? I think that needs to be disrupted around what the guest wants rather than what's convenient to the employees and then you're tapping into change management. And that's not always easy. Innovation isn't always wanted, um, but over time, if you do it well, it pushes itself forward and then you get to a critical mass and that's when you start to scale.
0: Are you seeing employees accept the the, the solution and really embrace that? Or is there still some resistance there and they kind of want to do things the old
1: I way? I mean, you will always see both, right? Because as individuals, we're different. Uh, but there is high MPS score on the waiters. They see increased tip. They see increased productivity. And they can spend more time being conductors and really like hosts rather than waiters because they can spend more time, recommend making sure you have a full class. They can smile, they can chat. They have more time to do those touch points that enhances the overall feeling of the experience rather than just be there when you're saying, can I have another beer please? And you say, yes, of course. So those who understand how they can use technology to enhance the experience, they love it. The ones who haven't fully understood how to really leverage this, they might feel that it's kind of in between the experience and they need to tweak it or figure out how do we use it. So obviously our customer success team or implementation team is spending a lot of time trying to help them to use the technology to enhance rather than to be in between. I mean, technology should not be the experience. It should enhance the experience. That's a great point. And when you've looked into COVID, for instance, and we had all the scan and pay or the order and pay solutions, Especially in the Nordics, that was growing really, really fast during the pandemics, and <clears throat> right. And in the US, we we saw, we saw it all over the world. And what was happening was that you could go into a bar or a restaurant, and they would say, "There's a QR code on the table. You know how it works." Then all of a sudden, the te- the technology is supposed to be the experience. So it's it's really ah. really how do you make the people cooperate and really enhance and 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 love the technology. And that's part of the product development and part of the product iteration. But you really need to iterate based on the learnings that you get to get to a point where you see that it's actually making the impact. And we see some tremendous results for for these businesses in terms of how their financials are run, guest satisfaction, employee satisfaction, and employees incentives with tips and so on. So it's been some incredible results on, on on this platform, which is fantastic. But we still have a long way to go to really do the mission and the vision that we have. But we are a motivated and and um, execution oriented uh, team, and um, we we really do our best to listen to the customers every single day.
0: That's a really good way to build. So being in the restaurant industry over the the last few years, it's it's really been hammered. And you know difference in one company, not in one company. differences in one country or another or maybe in one region or another, even inside countries, how has that affected your business and your clients and how have you adapted? I mean, when Favorite was started,
1: it was on the foundation that agile is going to be a differentiator. If we can move fast, we can learn faster, we can iterate faster than competition, speed of iteration wins. So that was kind of the foundation and the building block for us trying to build a culture and a a product. So we started off with a very, very simple MVP to get the first point learning points so that we could start iterating. But when you then move into a macroeconomic picture that changes every two weeks because the government comes out with new restrictions that is really impacting the restaurant industry and you have different markets that are impacted different ways, it really challenges how do you really do strategy and scenario planning with excellence? I mean, cause you will miss, you will do mistakes and you will do some right things. And it's, it's, you know, it's up and down. You have a lot of customers growing fast and all of a sudden a lot of customers need to close down because they're not allowed to be open. And then all of a sudden kind of the restaurants, since we are focused on the dine-in experience and not the takeaway experience that was booming throughout the pandemic. If you can't be open for business, it's hard for us to 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 you know get the product in the hands of the guests and the customers. So it's been an, a roller coaster in terms of adapting to circumstances that you can't control, but at the same time, strategy can influence your results. So it's been a lot of great learnings on how you can apply strategy and tactics, and what difference it makes.
0: Yeah, hey, you're making a huge difference for the, the restaurant owners and the, the guests as well. So, you, you know, you really have two different audiences that, uh, that you're serving with your, your solution.
1: Exactly, so so I mean, for us, number of transactions have been a good way of, of counting number of magic moments because if you could sit on a fully packed outdoor restaurant and you, there's no waiters to see, and you could order on your phone and you would be served in less than a minute, you would get a great magic experience and that would be yes. a transaction. So that was a good way for us to measure, you know, a number of magic moments. So, so that was an indicator, but then you would see that fluctuate with the macroeconomics, or at least the legal, the legal parts of, of the restrictions that came from two weeks, nothing. Then all of a sudden a lot of restrictions, then two months with nothing, then all of a sudden a lot of restrictions. So it impacted us for sure. But at the same time, we, we, we've been growing fast and we've learned to adapt to those circumstances, both product wise, strategy wise, commercially wise. I mean, it's been it's been a good learning that we can now use as a leverage to to really scale further.
0: That's great. Uh, how important is it as a SaaS founder to have that North Star metric? I mean, you're measuring transactions and, and I love the way that you define that. How important is that in knowing what to do in your business and how to grow? It makes a huge impact if you're really
1: able to get the organization centered around the North Star. But you should also really figure out what is the North Star because it could also have, maybe not devastating, but it's still some some bad impact if you're measuring the wrong thing it's because sure. then all the effort and everything will be done in good faith, but not with good results. So, so making sure that the North Star is right. And as a young business, it could make sense for a while, but it doesn't mean it makes sense forever. But to answer your question, the North Star is really, really important because that's how the, the organization can really put forces behind making that number grow.
0: So how did you find you know, transactions then as your North Star metric? Um, great question. We did, we did a workshop.
1: So with the entire team, we did a workshop where everyone, we started talking about what's a not star metric. We were talking about, you know, why is it important? So everyone was understanding the why we're doing this. And then we gave everyone post-it notes to write down what they thought would be the single most important metric and then put it on the wall and explain why. So first, everyone, just so not to be influenced, everyone had to hang their post-it note first before explaining it so that you couldn't kind of change as people were explaining those theirs. That's also a way to test your own hypothesis, like how, how well did I hit in terms of what my expectations were and how influenced am I from, from everyone else's data points? So we were kind of limiting it down to three very fast. Then we did a new iteration Came up with like who has the most, and then we had to, to to narrow that down to one. And after a lot of good conversations, we figured out the transaction would be the most important thing to measure because that would actually be the purpose, the magic moments that we would create for a lot of people. So that was that was That's the one again. that we started off with. Then we did a pivot on our business model. This was early early days right so we saw that having a transaction cost per transaction as the only thing in no license or a SaaS platform made this was prior to covid that made restaurants and bars use our solution when there was a peak when there was loads of people because then they saw that this was actually helping them grab all the revenue that was in the restaurant instead of maybe 60 percent right everyone who wanted to spend money Everyone who went out with a fully charged credit card, they were able to spend the money they wanted to spend. Traditionally, that's impossible because you can't get a hold of a waiter, so you're not able to spend the money you want to spend sometimes. Right. When it was out of those peak series, when it was in between the busy periods, they turned us off because then they were able to serve those guests anyway, right?
0: They could do it the old
1: way. And they would save money because they wouldn't have to pay transaction costs to those transactions because that would go through the old POS mm-hmm. system. So that's when we understood that, well, we need to make sure that this matters for them and they make money on it every day, every, every hour, every minute, because that's the entry to the guests for us to create the magic moments. So we pivoted into licenses. Then all of a sudden, transactions was important for a purpose of magic moments. But that would no longer be the main driver of the revenue. So then we had to change the North Star to be number of live customers so that we knew that the North Star, the number that had to move, would also make the revenue go up. So then we had that conversation and we we figure out that okay, number of customers would be the North Star. But then everyone could, you know, go behind that product, commercial, the entire organization, finding out, okay, how do we make that number grow?
0: That's really good. And I love the process. So it's not just picking something, you know, an obvious metric of revenue or subscribers or things like that, but really going deep and saying, okay, what is it that we can really track and is going to move the needle and that we can measure over time and impact the experience?
1: Yeah, I mean, finding metrics is always easy finding the metrics is that really matters is, is difficult. I, I, I still, I still yes. find that difficult. Um, I still, that's still some things that we're spending time on. Like what are the metrics that are, is moving our business? And when do they start making sense for some reason, if they do? So it's so being curious that are we, are we measuring the right things is always, is always important, but it's, it's easier said than done. I would say, um, yes. but, um, I mean, a, a big team thinks better than one person, so having everyone come up with good ideas, fill the pool of meanings on the table so that we can see the best possible opportunities before we choose. That's, that's one of the ways of working. We want to do the double line of thinking, really going broad before we narrow it down so we can have a lot of opportunities to choose from. Um, so that works for us so that we do not limit ourselves to take the, you know the first and best and just move forward. It's tempting, but, it, but yes, it, yes. it's not what makes the change.
0: We're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, we're gonna ask Edwin about some of the challenges of building the company and maybe some of the, the dark side things that don't always go well, right after this. Well, welcome back to SAS Fuel. My guest today, Edwin Fieldfett, founder and CEO of Favorite. And Edwin, tell me a little bit about how you've built the company and maybe some of the things that didn't go so well along the process. Wow, where should I start?
1: Um, I mean, it's it's been interesting. Like we are about three years old. We started off with a team of three full time and two part time. And we had our first hire, except that team, about five months later, and then about two years after that, we were about a hundred people. So it, it, wow. it kind of started to scale pretty fast, but that, you know, that looks like a shiny story. Um, on the backside of that, there has been closed to bankruptcy. There's been having to make people temporarily laid off. Um, you've, you've, I mean, I've, I've been in situations where some really, really talented people have had to leave the business for, for the reasons of now changing into the new macroeconomics. Um, and you have great friends that might grow out of their roles, and you would have to have some, some hard conversations of what's best for the company, but also maybe what's in their actual interest it's always tempting to think carrier and that carrier is along with maybe a leadership path or, you know, different, different types of paths, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's right for you. And having those conversations is, is always hard. And I mean, I believe in, in getting quite close to people and, and really try and do some, some coaching to move, move them into new, to new areas and really, you know, break through some difficulties they might struggle with, or just do some fantastic personal development. And then all of a sudden, when you lean in on that, having hard conversations is, is even more painful for everyone. Um, but still, I think that's what makes sense as a leader to do—to kind of really lean in rather than just keep a distance. Um, so, I mean, it's been <clears throat> it's been a lot of ups and downs. COVID happened. We didn't know anything. We were in the middle of fundraising. And everyone wow. was kind of like just sitting on the fence. And we had a temporary layoff people to understand more. Then all of a sudden, everyone needed some sort of a self-service solution. And the, the business just boomed. And we were able to, to you know, close the fundraising even higher than we were planning to. And then growing fast, we tapped into new markets. We didn't make it on the first attempt. We had to kind of iterate. We had to to do some, some changes on the people. And there was a lot of great people that the timing weren't right for. I mean, we weren't ready as a, as a product. Um, then after we were ready, maybe they were, they lost kind of their, their, um, their momentum and they wanted to do something else. I mean, there just been so many different things that happens and there always is unknowns that occurs that you just need to solve and you just need to go by problem after problem and, and figure out a way to solve it. And I, I, I tell a lot of people like, a lot of my job is doing things I don't know, but I just need to figure it out. And uh, and that's how you grow, especially as a first time founder. I mean, a lot of things they haven't done before, a lot of things they have done before. And, and a lot of things they have improved a lot. I mean, I've, we've hired a lot of people, learned a lot on how to do a great hiring process. We've built a great culture. I've learned a lot about how do we build a great culture and what, in which way, strategy, how do you, as I said, you know, previously in all these different changes that were happening with COVID in the restaurant industry and the impact made us really change fast and always try and plan ahead. And you learned a lot about both strategy and tactics. But along the way, there's been a lot of mistakes, a lot of learnings. But I, I would still argue that the biggest mistake
0: is not trying. I would absolutely agree with that. What role has resilience played in your success?
1: 98%. I mean, I think grit is, is really important. And, and, and having a, a professional athlete background, it was a lot of the same things because that was not just, you know, climbing the stairs and then all of a sudden you were at the second floor. There is a lot of ups and downs you have injuries you have you have disappointments of not making the team um there's there's so many things that you can control but also some things that you cannot control where you just need to get back on the horse and you just need to keep on fighting to get into the position you want to be in and it's the same with the business i mean a lot of things we can control like some of the some of the wrong, some of the mistakes and some of the wrong, wrong decisions we can control. We can influence, we can go back, we can change that COVID is making the market shut down. is something you can't control, but then you need to find out how do we make turn this into a opportunity rather than just looking into how awful it is. Right? So right. it's, it's constantly looking into opportunities and that resilience of just, you know, you can figure it out. It just, it's, I always say that, you know, the, the impossible is just something that hasn't been done. So it, That's a great, great so thing. You, it requires time, but it's possible. So resilience is is definitely very, very important.
0: What role have mentors played in your success? Um, also a lot. I mean,
1: I've, I've figured out that I don't know all situations, but I am the one who makes the decisions, right? Because I am the one who have to live with the consequence. So that means the advice will only be an advice, but having great mentors who has been, you know, around the block before and and that that really can, can help you understand what are the circumstances, trying to help you figure out all the four squares that are corners of a square. And really think through this, the decision from multiple angles. Really helps making sure that when you make the decision, you make the decision on the best possible data points and and, and, and thoughts possible. And I've had you know the ability to work with some really really great mentors um, early on. You had Jan Grunbeck, who was the CEO of Google and one of the first employees of Google and, and scaled Google in Norway and and was 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 head of Google Norway for I don't know 15 years plus. Um, and lately, the, the former president and CEO of Agencia, so experienced B2B company, invested in, and is, is now a, uh, an advisor that I have one-on-ones with on a weekly or bi-weekly basis that, you know, have learned me tremendously uh, amount of, of a lot of aspects of strategy, leadership, culture, decision-making, communication. I mean, there's, there's so many things. We have some great investors that really also play a very important part in, for instance, ID Capital, which is the biggest VC in Norway. And Christian there has been really, really helpful in, in understanding some of those dynamics of, of the investment landscape. And, yeah, I mean, there is I could go on for a long, long time with a lot of great mentors. Though Those who aren't mentioned doesn't mean they haven't made an impact. They know they have. I've told them multiple times. Nice. But, I mean, trying to find someone who is smarter and further down the road has been a great ingredient to just speed up my learnings because if I am going to learn everything, the old, the traditional way, it's going to take a long time. If I can find someone who's done it before and get some advice, I could speed up that process. And I, I encourage the entire organization to do the same and then open up to them where there's mentors. So everyone could kind of like have that mindset of speeding up the learning process makes us move faster.
0: Without a doubt. And that's my story as well. I mean, mentors have had such an impact. Uh, for me I, no way would i be where i am without that. and so tremendously grateful for for them helping shortcut that process. and uh, even when i didn't follow the advice, sticking around and, and you know continuing to support, right? I mean, that's i would say that a good mentor understand
1: that that's you you're a mentor. you're you're giving advice doesn't necessarily mean that the decision is going to be exactly what you said. I'm trying to do the sure. same when I'm mentoring as well, right? Making sure that I am coaching and giving the advice that I would, I, I can give, but you know, very, very seldom, I, I, I highly encourage people to either do something or do not do something. They need to make the decisions.
0: So tell me about the, the culture. That's one of the things that you've mentioned a couple of times that you've built there and what's unique about it. And was it intentional or did it kind of grow up on its own? I would say
1: culture is also a lot of strategy because I would say the way I would define culture is the personality of the business. If you were to look into the business as one human being and you were to have, you know, a one-to-one with that human being or tell someone else, like, what do you, what I find really is unique with this person being the company. You outline some things that you believe is making a difference. Making that part of the culture and making sure that we kind of may execute on that to build that mindset as a team creates a culture. So our culture is very transparent. We have three values. So it's curiosity, transparency, and trust. So when someone disagrees, instead of just you know disagree back, being curious makes you understand why you disagree or why you think the way you do. And trying to get a deeper understanding will bring new perspectives. And new perspectives makes you rethink. but it also builds trust. You, you feel that you can both trust people, but the people will also be trustworthy. And the transparency in the leadership, the transparency towards customers and internally makes it very, very simple for everyone to talk to everyone. So my door is always open. And if there's someone who wants to have a conversation around whatever topic, then I want to listen and, and, and make that very, very you know straightforward and don't have to beat around the bush. Same thing for the entire organization and the leadership team. When it comes to kind of the cultural mindset of, of how we do an act or how we, how we act on things. I don't want to go in specifically on what's a secret sauce, but I think if you make some choices with intent, you can win millimeters, but 10 of those adds a centimeter. And as you go, you get meters and you might get kilometers, but once you start getting the meters, that's when competitions understand what you're doing. But yes. then they have a lot of millimeters to cover to get back to where we are. And then if they look at back towards all the decisions they've made and all the way they've built product and all the way their organization is built, they see that you have a lot of things to work on backwards. But at the same time, they see that we are really, really fast on the innovation path. So how do you cover both? So not just do things by like, this is how we want to do things, but really how do you execute on your strategy on a daily basis and making decisions and mindsets on a daily basis can transform into a very powerful culture. Because then you have some guiding principles that are very aligned with the strategy that makes you do decisions and do uh, solve things in a specific way with intent. And that's, that's how we want to look at culture. And over time, it's so just part of who we are that you start adding improvements and, and creativity and everything on top of that. So we don't want people to be static. But we want to have a common platform where creativity can
0: be on top. I like that. But well, what are some of the greatest lessons you've learned as an entrepreneur? Up to this point, there's still more to go. Wow. I mean, one of the
1: very important learnings has been how my role has changed. And, and really how important it is to just don't think about titles, but just think about roles. Titles doesn't do anything. Roles do everything. And also like Dan, you, you, like we, we, we said black holes, but then really going back to understanding what are the black holes in in my role at the moment? What are the things that I don't do that I should be doing? That's also great with mentors, right? Asking them like, from your perspective, what are the things I should be doing that you can't see me do today? And, and the other question I ask myself is, what are the decisions or the things that only I can do? So that I, I make sure I understand what are the things that only I can do? What are the decisions only I can make and try and focus on that? But it's changed so much over these three years, right? In the beginning, I was operational all the time. Now I don't do anything in the operational part. Like I don't do the work. Um, it's 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 strange in a way because I, I I love to do a lot of that execution part, but now it's a lot of the decision part. Really making sure that I spend my my mental capacity on the on the important decisions and try and delegate or or, or just coach back on the, you know the not important decisions, so that I'm really up to speed on on where it matters because that's where how I can apply my force now is making the right decisions at the right time and, and and unchanging the wrong decisions at the right time. And that took me a while to understand like that's where my power is all of a sudden because you just grow, you grow, you grow and you do the things you've been doing then all of a sudden you don't feel that you get the momentum out of it anymore. It's not It's not working how it used to work. And then like, okay, so something's broken with my role now. I need to figure out what it is but no one's telling me because I'm supposed to kind of figure that out one out myself. I can't just, you know, run around to talk to everyone. What should my role be? Right. Cause that would make everyone be like, okay, he don't <laughs> know what his role is. Like, can somebody call the adults <laughs> here cause they're not home. Um, so, so, you know, it's, that's been, that's where the curiosity, constant curiosity of understanding how can I really apply force and how can I make a difference in my role as we grow? It's been a lot of learnings.
0: That's a really, really important lesson too. I mean, it's really elevating that and becoming an owner instead of an operator. Instead of being in the business, you're working on the business and really thinking strategically and not involved in in every decision, but really the key ones.
1: Exactly. Um, And also doing the right decisions even when they're tough, right? Because as a leader, and that's not just a, a CEO, that goes for all leaders. There is a redirect you should give someone, right? But it's it's not pleasant given that redirect, right? So you can't skip it. No one, right. no one, no one runs after me if I skip it. But I know I should have done it, right? I right. should. I know I should have done it. It's the millimeters again, right? I didn't. I didn't catch that millimeter. And we have a saying that the standards you walk past are the standards we become. And it's it's really making sure that we help each other up the game to the standards we want to have as a team. But that's hard because the discipline is, is always, you know, the toughest part because it's, it's sometimes tempting not to go to the gym. It's sometimes tempting not to give the redirect. It's sometimes tempting not to spend more time on strategy or more time on this, but how do you make sure you stay in there?
0: That is the absolute gold. The standards we walk past are the standards we become. Yeah.
1: That's how we can help each other yeah, to really, really make sure we always keep our standards up and we will fail. I mean, every day, right? But it's sure. again, those millimeters, it matters over time. And, and it's how do we help each other and how do we build that culture of honesty and calling out when we see that someone isn't living up to the standards and not just walking past it. And what's important then is when, cause I get that feedback as well, right? And i love that i want that because if people don't invest in me how can i grow but what's important is that when right. they come with that feedback it's important that i listen that i just you know don't fight back and say you know why are you telling me right because then then it wouldn't make sense of them to do it again so really then right. be curious again build that trust and be transparent that you know i really appreciate that because that's something i can work on if i do that every time then it's very simple for them to give me feedback. And that's, to me at least, very important. And that's what we try to do as leaders is make sure that we can invest in each other and it, it makes a difference.
0: Love that. Well, Ed, how can we find out more about Favorite and about you online? Um, go to favorite.com.
1: And you can also follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and on Instagram.
0: Excellent. And we'll make sure and link all of those in the show notes. Perfect. So I really enjoyed our conversation today. I did too. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And uh,
1: you really felt me, you made me feel relaxed and and, and welcome. So I really appreciate you creating that safe atmosphere.
0: Well, thanks again to Edwin for coming on the show and sharing your insights and resources. You can learn more about Edwin at favorite.com. Favorite is F-A-V-R-I-T.com. As always, all links, highlights, resources, and full show notes are available right down here at sassfuel.com. And while you're over there at sassfuel.com, please subscribe or follow us. It's always free. And you know everyone who subscribes this week will f- receive a free pass to Navigating Success Together 2023. Now, we talked about that at the beginning. Join us at the SaaS Founder Meetup, Navigating Success Together. Register at the link on the page. It is free for all SaaS founders and execs. Come meet up with founders and let's grow together. Let's just say no to this whole recession nonsense and keep growth going. So come check out another uh, group of SaaS founders who has that mindset. that We're gonna opt out on the recession and keep growth going no matter what. Well, later this week in our SaaS Fuel Experts series, we'll talk with Alyssa Marshall, founder of Alish. Alish is a SaaS that makes online course creation look amazing while being very simple, non-technical, and integrated. She is a founder and expert in one and really excited about our conversation. Then our SaaS founder next week on Tuesday is Ted Elliott, founder and CEO of Capato, the number one DevOps platform for Salesforce. So lots to look forward to. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out. And I will see you on the next episode. Until then... Enjoy the journey.
1: Thanks for listening to Sass Fuel. Full show notes for each episode, which includes a summary, key takeaways, quotes, and any resources mentioned are available at sassfuel.com. Be sure to follow and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're enjoying the content and getting value from these episodes, please leave us a rating and review at ratethispodcast.com slash sassfuel. We'll be sure to read these out on future episodes.